This morning we wrap up our series, our summer outreach series. What a blessing I had this past week to talk with an individual that visited, was enthralled with the dynamics of this message, and went back and watched, I think, four previous in the series, and what's fascinating is not, not claiming any part of that process, but this is why you do a summer outreach series, is that last week we were able to light one of those lights for this individual. And so, just fantastic to be able to hear that process, hear what's happening within people's souls and, and, and how some things that we don't really relate to, we don't really get, we don't really understand, it reaches someone else. And what a beautiful pattern of the ministry of Jesus Christ where we learn that and we see that, that He addressed people where they were. And, uh, and so this morning, I pray that for you, I pray that for each person here, that the Lord truly will, through His Word, reach to your soul this morning and lift your soul and instruct and guide so that when we leave today, that we leave in a situation where we're continually fed. Not just this morning, but continually fed. Uh, I just want to pause for a moment and say thank you to those that have worked uh, this week. Uh, we are getting some major progress done on the modulars, but we can't give up. Uh, heading into the week, I was worried that the kids were going to be in here with us until mid-December. But uh, through the help of, of some key people, uh, we took an exponential leap, and we're back on target, friends. So uh, many of you responding, wanting to know how uh, you can be part of all of this. We're going to get word out to you over the next couple days. Uh, painting crews, cleaning crews, um, assembly crews, all of that. So we're just excited what the Lord is doing. We are building towards September 8th is the big day where we will commemorate uh, that new uh, children's family wing and see all that God has done in that process. And we will have a, a great and tremendous celebration next week. Uh, we have a very special service. So it's the culmination of this series. And I just received, well, let me back up for a moment. Our series is titled Heroes. And we're basing that out of uh, Hebrews 11. You see some of these great heroes of the faith that are pictured there. We have a very unique and special opportunity to have their exact pictures up there taken by uh, Olin Mills, um, the first. And uh, then you can see in the O, you got this weird glowing thing. And, and so what we've done is we've taken the impetus of something that our society has said they're enamored with. Enamored so much that they spent over $1 billion on a movie in one month. And when that happens, our society is saying something. And so I saw an opportunity to speak to what it is to have real heroes. And this morning where we start with our scripture, you'll kind of see my little journey as to why I, I thought this might have some great value. Uh, it's fascinating. 
What you see there is, and I don't have my prop today, uh, is this, uh, this gigantic bronze glove that has these, these stones that have a legend behind them. And each stone is manufactured or created to have its own unique power. And one is called the Mind Stone, the other is called the Reality Stone, the other is called the Power Stone, the Time Stone. And so today, part three, because the soul is the most important, we wrap up on the Soul Stone. Next week is going to be a celebration and a tremendous testimony time. Part of what we've been doing with the series is we've been talking about various heroes out of chapter 11 in Hebrews, true heroes, but on top of that, we have been magnifying or bringing to light to you people that have preceded you, just like that great cloud of witnesses we'll read about in, in Hebrews 12. But maybe a little bit, maybe a couple millennia later, uh, rather than Moses, rather than Rahab, rather than Sarah, Abraham, Moses, I mentioned Moses twice because he deserves it, uh, Daniel, Gideon, on and on, uh, I've magnified various individuals that we tend to venerate these heroes out of Scripture, do we not? We tend to say, well, they're unique, they're special. I'm no Paul. I'm no, no Peter. I'm no John. So my process is to every once in a while bring forward a name of someone just like you and I, who God has done tremendous work through. Today we have... Uh, another individual, and I'm just going to mention it uh, in passing, but it will be on the screen so you can write it down, and I encourage you, take out your note sheet from your bulletin and write it down. This morning, we're talking about loving the soul. Last week, we talked about the issues of uncluttering the soul, that it's so desperately important that we have a healthy soul in order to pour into that we can pour all the health we want into our, our body. We can pour all the health we want into uh, uh, the physical nature. I, I wear glasses, and these things truly help. But last night I was driving back from Rockland, visiting my son, and, and uh, was in my wife's car and had the top down. And within five minutes of being on 80, I got hit with a bug in my left eye. And so it's not like I can just pull over immediately and my eyes like, you know, crusting up and, you know, there's a bunch of things starting to grow in there instantly in my mind. I'm like, I'm going to die, you know. And it didn't matter if I had glasses. As a matter of fact, I was having this conversation with the Lord. I'm wearing glasses. How did a bug get in my eye? I can wear the glasses all I want. I can try to put health, but if I don't clear out what's in the eye... I finally stopped in Davis and, and found a restroom and just, you know, irrigated my eye and, and I, was, I was much better. And then I put on like wraparound goggles, like, you know, from the 1930s that you race with. I got a lot of stairs going down the road, but I was, I was safe from those bugs. Um, so uncluttering the soul is so desperately important. That's why we talked and, and taught on that last week. Now that our souls are completely free from all the clutter and all the junk, now what do we do? We follow in the vein that Jesus spoke to. We follow in, in the truth that He shared in a parable about how a, a demon was cast out of an individual and it went and it roamed around 
and not finding another place to rest, it circled back around to the same individual, and there was a very clean house. And so now what happened is that demon moved in, and not just him, but he invited seven of his friends. And, and the purpose of the story or the allegory, Jesus is saying, it's not enough just to unclutter. You have to, you have to fill it with the right things. Amen? So my effort this morning is to help us understand how love is how we feed our soul. How love is the direction of how we feed our soul. So this morning, let me move us into some scripture. Turn to Mark 12, verse 30. And I'm going to put it up on the screen here as it is. There's a great quote. Love is the primary elixir to heal and maintain the soul. Followed by this question. Is your soul marked by love? The New Testament says they will know us by our faith. Speaking about believers in Jesus Christ. Right? It says they will know us by our peace. Right? It says they will know us by our great acts, our great works. It says they will know you by your what? Your love. Your love. So this morning, if your soul needs feeding... This is where we start. We start with love. And as we do so, we go to a, a, a passage where Jesus is quoting the Shema from the covenant between God and His people that He had set millennia prior. And so, as we look at this, you see it on the screen. I'm going to back it up a little bit. And it says, And one of the scribes came up and heard them disputing with one another, and seeing that he answered them well, asked him, What commandment is the most important of all? You see how your pastor set that all up for you, right? And this is where we will finish today in, in 1 Corinthians 12. How many of you have ever gotten in that debate with friends about what's the best uh, health additive you can use? Right? Okay, since you won't cop to that, let's, let's get into reality, shall we? How many of you, when you know someone who's sick, has a long list of instructions on what they should take? You know you. You know who you are. Right? Remember a few years ago, it was zinc, right? How many of you are zinc advocates out there? Oh yeah, you feel that cold coming on, start slamming that zinc. You know, zinc is in like galvanized fence posts, right? I'm, I'm just saying. And, and then it, it, it uh, became echinacea. I don't even know if I'm saying that right. It's probably Greek, so it's probably good for you, right? How many of you are the echinacea crowd? Yeah. Oh, we got a chemist in the building. He, that's his job, is to tell us what to take, right? So the unique thing, as Jesus uses these words, is he's asked, what is it? What is the greatest thing that we can be about? And what does Jesus say? Look in verse 30, if you will. 
and you shall love the Lord your God with all your what? Heart. And with all your what? Soul. And with all your what? Mind. And with all your what? Do you now understand that silly glove that's been up here for nine weeks? I do not find it too far of a leap that when we have this greatest commandment and there's articulation of one thing after another after another, all of those things being important, that writers of a fictitious tale have looked and said, we're going to have a soul stone. We're going to have a mind stone. We're going to have a power stone. On and on. And yet they offer no hope in the story where Jesus offers hope. And the beauty of this is, is all of your heart, your mind, your soul, and your strength, how is it that you're utilizing those? With what? Love. With love. That each of those areas should be aligned and driven by the idea of love. Let's look at some examples of this this morning. So 1 Corinthians 13, 13 says this, So now faith, hope, and love abide these three, but the greatest of these is what? Is love. Amen. So we're going to start this morning with the idea of prevention. Prevention. And as we look so, I've got three points for you to understand this morning. Number one, stay alert and do regular checkups. Right? We talked about this three weeks ago. How's your soul? How's your soul? I love those moments with my doctor, or the, just the doctor in the room. I don't really have a doctor. You know how it works. And you walk in and they say, so, how are you today? And it's been great because many of you have asked me today, how are you, pastor? We still haven't broken that cultural barrier apparently here where you feel comfortable to ask me, how is my soul? Because that's a tough question. That one you're going to have to actually engage. You can't just, you can't just say, hey, Luke, how are you doing? I really don't care. Bye. Right? Imagine. Hey, Luke, how's your soul? Bye. Yeah, I can't really get away with that, right? So preservation... We want to stay alert. We want to do regular checkups on our soul. When we talked last week, I don't have time to really speak to it this morning. It would be redundant. Go back and listen online to our previous two weeks and look at what it means to do that checkup for your soul. Next, think about it. Think about it. This speaks to the idea of the mind. Loving your Lord, your God, with all of your mind. And so Paul gives us great instruction on this level. What does he say? He says, finally, brothers, whatever is true. I had the privilege yesterday to speak to a bunch of people that throw real heavy round things down a very smooth surface, and they're trying to get it as close to another smaller round thing, and this means a lot to them. Throwing bigger round things towards a smaller round thing. And uh, there can be some fighting words. There can be some words of encouragement. There's money involved. There's hats. There's, there's a lot going on. Ron, how did everything work out yesterday? It was a long day. It was a long day. 
But Ron blessed, blessed me with the opportunity to come bring a message to his bocce tournament. And we were talking about the importance of community, and at the very end, I threw in the idea of whatever is true. That we have to focus on what is true. And that will feed our soul. That's loving the soul. Because if we hold on to those things that are untrue, how many of you would do that for your children or someone you care about? You would just lie to them. Not if you love them. So whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, what are you supposed to do? What am I supposed to do? Think about these things. Think about these things. And he says, he gives a promise here. He says, whatever you learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things. This is exactly what we're talking about with preservation. Practice. There's a lot of alliteration today. Practice these things. Brothers and sisters, how we think feeds the soul. And so if we're going to focus on whatever's true, whatever's lovely, whatever's honorable, it feeds our soul. And then it says what? And the God of peace will what? Be with you. That might be more of the message we're looking for today. I, I like how that sounds, Pastor. The God of peace will be with me. I'm, I'm the receiver. There comes a promise. You have to engage. I have to engage with thinking about lovely things. And then that promise is fulfilled. Isn't that beautiful? And it's a God promise. Let's keep moving through to purpose. And, and it, because I had to use the alliteration, I have purpose, but I really want you to think in terms of nourish. So right next to purpose, write the word nourish. Feed and provide for your soul. Feed and provide for your soul. What does that mean? Let's get some, let's get some information here. Y'all help me. What does it mean to feed your soul? How would you do it? How many of you had breakfast this morning? How many of you went over there and had some donuts? All right. How many of you wish you had some donuts? How you will never eat a donut? I'm doing exercise right now. This is my exercise program. Especially if I'm mentioning donuts, right? But how do you feed the soul? I'm listening. Scripture. What? The Bible. Prayer. What? Fellowship. Ministry. Worship. Well done. I noticed none of you mentioned giving heartbreaking it's just it crushes my soul she didn't mention giving it's a little telling but anyway feed and provide for your soul feed and provide for your soul so how often do we do that i'm going to focus on one of the areas so what a beautiful exercise you guys nailed it really well if you if you have a diet of those things you're going to be feeding your soul well i only have time to really focus on one because you're very astute you're knowledgeable. We've talked about that in other areas, and we have plenty of Scripture this morning. I want to help you understand the following concepts. Seek to walk in the Spirit. Hebrews 12 says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us run the race marked before us and throw off every... I like to use the word anchor. 
Let us throw off every anchor. It actually says weight. Let us throw off every weight that holds us back. And let's do this by the following diet. Fix our eyes on the author and perfecter of our faith. This is the end of the series, brothers and sisters. That verse shouldn't be in 12. It should be at the end of 11. Because of what we see God do through all of these heroes of the faith, how do we relate? Because we're not in the Hall of Fame. The writer of Hebrews took all of those illustrations, all of those real people who we know God worked through tremendously. And what did he say? Since you are surrounded by those testimonies, let's run the race marked before us. Since you can look to that hope and ultimately the hope of Jesus Christ, let's run, seek to walk in the Spirit. On a daily basis, do I rise and think to myself, this is how I want to conduct my soul today. This is what I want to see the Lord do through His Spirit acting in love and by doing that, we start to feed the soul and the soul becomes nourished. Some other things that will help you understand this, uh, seek spiritual encounters. So Hebrews 11, all of those, whether it's talking about David and all that the Lord did through David, or whether it's talking about Gideon, or Moses, or Abraham, or Cain and Abel, or Enoch, and on and on it goes through the, the litany of all these great legendary stories of truth where the interaction between God and man was unique but not sequestered just to those individuals. The reason that that is written down for you and, you and I, brothers and sisters, is so that we can look at those lives and say that same God wants to pour into me. Amen? And that is available to me. And I need to act. I need to take action as if I believe that. And so one of the greatest things that you and I can do, brothers and sisters, is to put ourselves into position to depend on God. I truly believe this is why America is spiritually starving. When we have so much, we no longer need God. That is the greatest challenge in America. When I can be my own God. Now you may say, well that's kind of a foreign idea, Pastor Jeremy. Let me help you make the jump. When my life falls apart, and I'm out of control, and I have no answers, who do I tend to call on now? The Lord. The Lord. Wouldn't it be wonderful if we learn from the horrible pattern of the Israelites where they got into this mode where they were fat and sassy and everything was great. And so what did they do? They forgot the Lord their God and they started pursuing their own ventures, their own things. And what was going on with them? They stopped seeking spiritual encounters. They stopped seeking God because they didn't need God. I have no idea what that was. It's God giving an exclamation point. <laughs> they didn't need God. Brothers and sisters, are we there? Do we make that conscious choice just to walk in our own strength every day? 
Can I encourage you, one of the best ways to love your soul and to nourish it is put yourself daily into a position of depending on God. You will never see Him show up if you don't do it. And yet so many of us spiritually want to play it conservatively. We want to play it safe, right? How many of you dread going to some of those parties that you have to go to at work or somewhere else, right? You're like, I don't want high school reunions, church, whatever, you know. Oh, if I go, Pastor Jeremy's going to talk to me. And I haven't been here for like 18 years. I'm going to feel so guilty. And, uh, you know, I'm not wearing the right clothes. And, and I, I've got fake teeth. And I don't know what your problem is. <laughs> Seek spiritual encounters that yield results. Yesterday I was driving home from, from Rockland. And I'm driving down my street from, from Concord. I just live right over here. And I can see a guy kind of doing this down the street. And at first I was thinking, oh my goodness, is that guy like, is there something wrong? Is he going to, I need to pay attention and see if I need to help, you know, like a medical situation. Or is he trying to run for help and he can't run? And, you know, and the closer I got, I noticed workout gear. And the closer I got, I noticed he just was dragging. And the closer I got, this guy was my hero. <laughs> because this guy obviously just went and purchased that workout gear. And he was trying. He was trying so hard. As I go by him with the top down, right? Here's an opportunity. And so I just prayed and I said, God, what, what, you know, what, what can I do here? He's okay. I don't have to do any medical. Not yet. And so when, when, I, when I drove by, I slowed down, and I just gave him a thumbs up, and I said, great job, keep it up. And then he gave me the biggest smile, and then he was like, ah, ah, ah. like, yes. And then when I came up to the corner, here comes like some 25-year-old stud with you know, earbuds in. Like, dude, you don't want it. Like, go fast, go, go. We have to seek those spiritual opportunities. Uh, we're having popcorn for communion today, so everybody just <laughs> relax. That's what's going on. We'll figure that out. Ephesians 5, 28-29 gives us a little bit of an idea here. Paul is talking to things that help serve our soul. Paul is talking to the need for us to be holy and to imitate God. And he goes to great lengths. He makes lists. He talks about what not to do. He talks about what to do. We read some of that last week. We read some of that last week, and um, often when I'm doing premarital counseling, I think about, uh, think about this passage, and I, I tell individuals that, um, that this passage is not necessarily written to be um, a, a commentary or direct instruction on, um, on marriage. On marriage itself. What Paul is doing here is he's using an illustration of marriage to get his point across about what it's like to live with Christ. What it's like to be a believer in a relationship with Christ. So when we look at this, let's look at it a little bit differently than necessarily, hey, this is prime, beautiful instruction on how we should be. It is. 
But let's look at it a bit, little bit differently as to how we treat one another is a great illustration as to how we should be treating our soul. So turn with me, if you will, to Ephesians 5, 28 through 29. I'm just going to reference what's on the screen. And as Paul moves through this articulation of how these relationships work, the whole premise is submitting to one another. It's all about submitting to one another. And then he makes this almost in a sarcastic tone. He makes this statement where he says, in the same way husbands should... Oh, no, you'll see. I'm sorry. uh, No, this is the right one. In the same way husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. No amen, women? There's a lot lot of tension in the room right now. Husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. Some of you wives are like, no. Have you seen my husband? I deserve better treatment than that. (laughs) Right? He... He who loves it, remember, it's, a, it's an illustration. It's, it's not literal. But he, here's the concept. Here's the principle Christ wants us to understand. He who loves his wife loves who? Loves himself. God understands that there's a healthy part to us loving ourselves. And this isn't self-help. He's not competing on the, on the New York bestseller times with Oprah, Tony Robbins, and and all these other individuals that are talking about self-help and love yourself and all this kind of stuff, which has become a giant mantra in our society. Folks, if if we put that as paramount, we're going to miss it and you're not going to feel any better. And you know what? They know that too. You know why? That's why they keep writing the second book and the third book and the fourth book. Because that process doesn't satisfy the soul to just make that the primary focus to love oneself. Christ is speaking to this point almost as a parenthetical thought to the larger point, and this is it. For no one has ever hated his own flesh. For no one has ever hated his own flesh, but he what? Nourishes it and cherishes it just as Christ does the church. So looking how Christ sacrificed and gave Himself and submitted that the church might thrive, that you and I as believers in Jesus Christ might thrive eternally. He did, the, he did the ultimate sacrifice for us in that. And for us, we look at that example and that's kind of how we treat our bodies for the most part. Ourselves. And it's not to be construed or misconstrued with the idea that, hey, it's all about self-love. It's all about taking care of myself above everybody else. I think that's where we miss it. That The point is, we get it. How many of you are hungry right now? How many of you plan on eating in the next five hours? Right? How many of you just really are going to ignore the fact that you're hungry? Because you just don't like yourself. (laughs) You don't like yourself. You don't care about what the the signals the body is sending you. You could care less. You're just not going to do that for yourself. And as a matter of fact, let's just throw sleep in there tonight. Let's not eat today, because what's the point? And secondly, let's just not even sleep as well tonight. How long are we going to last? Two minutes. Amen to that. You know your pastor well, my friend. Seek spiritual encounters. Look for them. Look for them. This idea... 
Seek to please God with healthy choices of faith. Remember Hebrews 11.6 says, For it is impossible to please God without what? Without faith. But then he goes on to say, For those who walk in faith will receive a what? A reward. They'll receive a reward. Brothers and sisters, I want to encourage you, seek those moments so you nourish your soul they will give a return that will not fade. It's a deep well that you will be able to draw upon as you engage in these spiritual moments that nourish your soul. Seek to please God. Yesterday I, I hinted at the fact that I was invited uh, to speak uh, at Ron's big bocce ball tournament. Um, if anybody is hosting a beach ball tournament. I'm available. <laughs> Love to speak at your beach ball tournament. Um, the part that I loved about that is that this very point, seek to please God with healthy choices of faith or seek spiritual encounters, is exactly what Ron did. And he put himself out there at risk. Being a leader of a group and he put himself and invested in this moment with people that he knows. And this is exactly what our focus is for the summer with our build, with phase two of build. That we want to reach out and we want to be that which demonstrates love towards the Lord. That we act in obedience to the Lord and we put ourselves in position to see what the Lord will do beyond what you and I will do. I think it might be this thing. I'm going to turn that off. Now you're all going to like throw things at me when it pops again. Let's go to our last point today, preservation. Ephesians 5, 25-27. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave Himself up, that He might, what? Sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the Word, so that He might present the church to Himself in splendor without spot or wrinkle or any such thing that she might be holy and without blemish. Pastor, how does this fit with loving the soul? Brothers and sisters, this is what it means to love, to sacrifice, to cherish. And what's our point? Preservation. To preserve that which is valuable to us. This demonstration and advice that Paul gives is that which will preserve our marriages. It is that which was demonstrated by Christ in order that we might be saved. It is the quintessence, perfect example, perfect visual, perfect action of what it means to love, and the result of that love is nourishment for the soul. This is how we start to preserve, right? Some of you thought I was going to go to grandma's jars of, of jams and, and various things that grandma's love is in that, that preserve. No, I would never say that. That just kind of went like this. I'm not commenting on your grandma. I was kind of be more self-effacing. Preserve your soul. How do you do that? How do we preserve our soul? What does it mean to preserve? It means to care for. It means to protect. 
It means to feed. It's almost the quintessence of our other two points. It means to, to save it. It means to value it. And so as we do those things, we seek to preserve our soul. There are ways that we can do this. We need to pay attention. We need to listen. Right? In any great relationship, go out and, and look and see wherever you go for lunch. Maybe it's home. Maybe it's some other place. Look and see if people are on their devices. Right? See all the love that's being spread around. And we wonder why we're so disconnected and our souls are starving. Because, what? We're not listening to those that we say we value the most. And by doing that action, what are we saying? In effect, we're saying we really don't care more about that. We care about ourselves. It's a narcissistic policy. We have to have the discipline and the effort to put the thing down and ask the other person questions about their life, their soul, and listen. You know what I'm talking about. Many of you are, have been on the other side of that conversation, right? Maybe you're distracted. Maybe you are listening. Maybe you've just kind of glazed over because the person's been going on for 15 minutes straight and you can't take all that in. I don't know. But in those moments when you're, when you're listening, have you ever been confronted by the person across from you? And they say, you're not what? You're not listening. Have you ever responded back, Big deal. Who cares if I'm listening? Can I advise you? Don't do that. We value this idea of listening. Have you listened to your soul lately? If you truly want to preserve your soul, you need to listen to it. What's going on in here? What am I driven by? What am I encouraged by? What am I, what am I languishing over? Is it the right stuff? How long has it been since I've heard from God? And so with that, let me help you understand how we can pay attention to that. Prayer is a healthy diet. And in closing today, I'm going to make mention of a great hero of the faith, E.M. Bounds. And I'm going to give you several quotes by E.M. Bounds about the importance of prayer and how it preserves our soul. How it nourishes our soul and how prayer can be preventative for our soul. I also encourage you, I don't have time to go to this particular scripture, but Ephesians 6, and we'll quote it here in a little bit, but the entire Ephesians 6 is great speaking to how can I preserve my soul spiritually. But he says, preaching never edifies a prayerless soul. You know, pastors get away to conferences. I'm, I'm going to be going to one in September. And you, you should hear the things they say about you guys. Oh, that didn't really go over very well, Janine. That really didn't go over very well. And yet what's interesting is the entire audience on a Sunday morning has an opinion and they're willing to share it about the pastor and whether the pastor fulfilled and fed their soul. Can I just encourage you? I'm speaking to myself on this. Do I want to hear from God? Do I really want to hear from God? I better not be a, a, a critic of the spiritual walks and spiritual nature and spiritual instruction because I'm not qualified if I'm not spending time in prayer. I'm just not there. 
What else did he say about prayer? Prayer is the spiritual, spiritual work is taxing work, and men are loath to do it. So that cues you in. This was probably all the way back in the 70s, just from using the word loath. And men are loath to do it. Praying, true praying, costs an outlay of serious attention and of time, which flesh and blood do not relish. Brothers and sisters, I have been locked into John 15 for the better part of five months now. And I am seeing the Lord answer things. My soul is nourished. There's a, a newfound depth and preservation in my soul because Jesus himself said, ask, whatever you ask in my Father's name, he will what? He'll do it. Ask. Jesus also says, apart from me, you can do what? Nothing. And as I started to take this seriously, and as I started to pray it more in depth throughout the day, the beginning of the day, the end of my day, I've started to see some newfound restoration in my soul of pockets I didn't even know were unhealthy. You want to preserve your soul? Pray. A diet of prayer. Preaching that... Oh, I just wanted to emphasize it twice, apparently. In closing today, remember our key verse is Mark 12, 30. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and all your strength. John Ortberg says this, the writer of Soul Keeping, when my will is consistently, freely, joyfully aligned with what I most deeply value, my soul finds rest. That is wholeness. When I live with half-hearted devotion, my soul is always strained. Let me close in prayer this morning. Father, we come to you with great expectation that your promises are true. They are real. That, Father, as we can look at these lives of the heroes of the faith, in Hebrews 11 and so many others. It's not an exhaustive list in Hebrews 11, but... And then as we look ultimately to your Son, Jesus Christ, as the greatest hero. Father, I pray that we truly take this as an encouragement and an elixir for our soul. That we should love the Lord our God with all of our heart our soul, our mind, and our strength. Feed our souls. Let the deep call out to the deep. Father, you promise through the words of the psalmist David in the epic, he says, restore my soul. Father, as we have looked at just a fraction of what that looks like and what that takes, let us dive deeper so that we are not a people who are found wanting, but we are a satisfied, joyful, loving people that are marked and typified by our love and by the presentation of who you are in our lives. We pray this in the name of Jesus Christ and the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen.